What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-host, Matt and Adam, with special guest, you guessed it, Jeffrey Quake, the man, the myth, the legend, the one they know as the okay. Quakester. The, uh, he sends fear throughout the galaxy when it comes to draft boards around. Yeah, folks, he makes draft people, time. He makes people quake. Indeed, oh, didn't he well, does. He yeah, it is draft over. time. The season is over, and if you thought you were going to get rid of us, boy, do we got a surprise for you. We're still Sorry. here, and we've actually <laughs> added another into the ring of madness we like to call Ooh. this podcast. But first and always, episode 81, Marion Hosa wore the number 81 with the Blackhawks, and that's where he won his three, count them, three Stanley Cups. He was one of the game's best defensive forwards throughout his career, and that gives him the edge over the fat, defensively apathetic Phil Kessel. Uh, episode 81, I added the fat, um, and, you know, here we are. <laughs> dad bod. It's dad man, bod. He's, he's an he's ass. more than a dad bod, man. That man's chubby. That's the- <laughs> he's the only NHL player who has who can rock the dad bod. Who has diabetes. Kevin Hayes rocks dad bod. <laughs> Kevin Hayes rocks dad bot hard. He rocks Not, it well. Yeah, I think Kevin Hayes is pretty fit, no? What the yeah, he's, 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 he's pretty, fit, but he's, he's dad bot. He's dad bot. He, I, I think he's like yeah. the fittest dad bod, bod you'll ever get. The fittest dad bod. You could, you could say that. You could say that. I mean, I feel like you we could do an episode on, on dad bods. That could be an off Can, thing, can that be our next bracket? That would be the week I take off. Yeah, you want, you want to talk about a bracket, the dad bod. <laughs> don't, don't worry. That would be a week cool. I would gladly represent boys. Yeah, exactly. that's com- <laughs> coming next March. The dad bod bracket. <laughs> how, how, how would Phil Kessel? Uh, how would Phil Kessel not win? That. Tag out and I'll, I'll uh, swap in for you, bud. All right. Well, exactly. we have to see we like who who else is in the running. My Google search history gearing up for that episode <laughs> is going to be disturbing. And that's the name of our episode. <laughs> Google disturbing search Google search. <laughs> dad bods in the nhl i i want to know what would come up but i don't want to go off on a tangent right now but never mind i lied i'm gonna yep <laughs> you know, and we have oh, entered the rabbit fourth, hole fellas. oh here we go that's happy what i'm talking about happy, see, happy you get to see a hot dog filled today's a happy yeah. happy a su- six when you're listening to this a surprising amount of just twitter pages titled <laughs> dad bod hockey which is just fantastic to think about uh, anyways, I digress. We are actually an NHL podcast. We we talk about professionals. Fun are track. we though? Uh, who knows? I don't. I don't even know. I got no idea. We use um, we use the term professional loosely around here. Loosely, yes, I would say so. Um, but let's get into the content that we have here for you folks today. First Ooh. up, Ryan McDonough, formerly of the Tampa Bay Lightning, traded away to the Nashville Predators. In return, the Tampa Bay Lightning get Phil Myers and Grant Mismash. By the way, fantastic last name I from, from Mismash. What a name, my dude. Um, interesting trade here. As far as Nashville is required, I guess they're either doubling down on attempting to compete or if this was some sort of a salary dump for the Lightning that seemed to kind of work it work out a little bit for Nashville. Here's kind of the breakdown. Uh, the Lightning did find a suitor for the McDonough contract, um, and uh, the national, uh, the Lightning will be taking on the two and a half mil from Myers 
and the 842.5K from Mismash, who will likely end up being an AHLer. Um, but the Lightning do free up cap space to keep uh, Ruda, Palat, uh, guys like that. So when you look at this trade, uh, are you seeing anything outside of a salary dump, or are you thinking that Nashville is looking at actually acquiring a veteran defenseman and trying to kind of bolster this defensive core and move forward and kind of accelerate this rebuild, I guess you could say? Uh, I think I think Tampa kind of sees Ryan McDonough as definitely that expendable piece, but I think when saying they see him as the expendable piece, I think they kind of are expecting a huge drop-off in performance. I mean, the man's, you know, kind of at the end of his career. He's just was a part of 11 straight playoff wins, which was, you know, historic by Tampa. I think they expect him to have a drop-off, if anyone. And I think they were willing to take a risk on getting, you know, low-tier players like Phil Myers and Miss Mash to, you know, because look what they did with Paul when he came from Ottawa. And now he I, I can't get rid of the fact that the guy's last name is Miss Mash. I'm sorry. That's one of the greatest hockey names ever. Hey, what a name, right? What a name. I can't wait for mismatch to get some uh, mixed matches. That's a tongue twister for you. Oh, yeah. boy. Say that 10 times fast. Why don't you? <laughs> no, that's Say tongue twisters on the pod. It's, you know. Nah, but, but Fish, I agree with you there. I do think that Tampa Bay is looking at this as, you know, maybe an opportunity because they, they, it's historic what they can do with these guys that just aren't big names or low-profile guys or kind of at the bottom of what you would consider a lineup. They're able to do great things with them if they put them into that system that they have down in there in Tampa Bay. So I think that they, yeah, whenever they get an opportunity to salary dump a guy that you, you're correct, might see a steep drop off with his age and where he's at in his career and taking two younger guys who they know full well, if you just put them into a system, they'll probably succeed because Tampa. That's, yeah. that's my explanation. Yeah, but we're, there. Fami- we're familiar with one of these pieces. And we've, yeah, I mean, seen, we've seen Phil Myers. We, you know, he was undrafted, came to us, showed a lot of potential in the AHL, came to NHL, first game stadium series, played – I think le- he's played less than 100 games with the Flyers. So uh, he, yeah. I think he's played more, actually. He, he, he played quite a, a lot more games than I think people remember. Um, right, but it's around the 100 mark. You, it, no, it definitely is around the 100 mark. You, you got that for sure. But um, if, yeah. if you, if they tried to really work out him with Sandheim. And, you know, it, they, they went into the bubble with that pairing. And, but then next year came along and Phil Myers could show kind of dropped off significantly, found his way to another team, didn't play on that other team who had a pretty good D core. Not, you know, not the best. Actually, I mean, they did have Roman Yossi, who was absolutely unreal, but they didn't have a great deep D core, were able to make the playoffs, didn't see that much ice time. And now is on their way to a team that is, you know, has just won back to back, won back to back Stanley Cups, but have kind of had the uh, revolving door model. One hundred and fifteen games is uh, played as a yep. flyer, Phil Myers, and one hundred forty-two total, uh, twenty-seven with Nashville. Yeah, so a lot more games than I thought that I had to watch him yeah. play hockey. Um, yeah, I mean. All in all, this trade, really not a blockbuster uh, other than Ryan McDonough getting moved. I'm interested to see, can Ryan McDonough keep 
up a reasonable amount of good hockey there in Nashville, because if he can, that quite helps that decor there uh, for the Predators. And maybe they actually are able to write the ship faster than a lot of people thought. Um, here's a, a little snippet from uh, Breeze Bois, the Lightning GM. He said, uh, this is about Ryan McDonough, quote, he's one of the best defenders in the NHL. He's a selfless player and a great leader. He is an awesome human being and a great hockey player, and he's done a lot of winning, and he's helped us do a lot of winning. Uh, you know, pretty much what you want to hear from your GM when you when you go away. So uh, Ryan McDonough definitely kind of uh, at a crossroads in his career, could go downhill quite quickly. Um, but who knows? Who you usually knows? do with players I, of that age, no matter how right. they and, are. And, and, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, the, Fish, the, go ahead. yeah, the when you know, depending on yeah, you know, who it is. Once you get up to the age and the player doesn't have anymore, it's not like they flicker out into the sunset. Like they show. I mean, yeah. I'm not not going to use an extreme like Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel was an extreme for us. Damn, so, was like, he bad? Oh, yeah, he was. He was a problem. Mike Brian McDonough showed he you know can play those D playoff games, play that right style that gets you to those playoff games. So it's definitely a a good experiment for Nashville to do. Right. And I think it's a, it, it, like you said, Fish, I think it's a really good experiment for them. Why not? Cause you know, sure. He's locked up until what, 2025 or 2026, somewhere around there, 6.75 mil cap it, which does hurt. But if they can get this going, I think this is going to be quite a, a trade, it, you know, quite a deal really for Nashville because now they have insert Ryan McDonough with already established Roman UFC, Mateus Ekholm, obviously great veterans there. You still have a very young Dante Fabro. So that's a scary top four. So I would imagine they would pair McDonough with uh, Fabro with a you know good, solid veteran who's you know two-time Stanley Cup champion now and McDonough with a younger guy in Fabro, teach him some things. You know, and hopefully, obviously Fabro's going to be here for a very long time in his career. He's only 24. But um, I, I was reading up on The Athletic that it was a very tough decision for Brisbane to even approach McDonough really and say, hey, I'm sorry, but like, you know, basically, again, you're the odd man out because you have an up and coming uh, Cal fight. You have uh, Jan Ruda, who, although he's only two years younger than McDonough, he's a solid depth piece that's not going to cost you much. Eric Chernak, he's only 25. He's due for extension soon. They got to sign Mikhail Sergachev soon to another contract as well, and Calfit again to uh, just again uh, another extension overall. Um, so I think it definitely was a big time cap dump for sure. They got seven seven point three million cap space if I'm not mistaken out of this deal, boys. So this is a massive win for Tampa, and on top of that, they're absolutely going to use that money to re-sign uh, Andre Palat. So I think that's really the main direction while Nashville gets better. So this is one of the first times I've seen a trade happen where I don't hate it for anyone. I like it on both sides. You get a playoff contending decor now in Nashville, essentially, and you get a shit ton of cap space in, for Tampa Bay to resign Andre Pilat. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Jeff. Uh, this is one of those trades that seems to work out for both teams, which I actually really enjoy seeing because – yeah, sometimes it win. sucks. Yeah, sometimes it sucks when you watch a trade happen. And you're like, damn, that team got fleeced. You guys just got so fleeced. Um, but you we're gonna find out how this pans. Yeah, Shea Weber. Oh my god. Um, Shea Weber. 
But we'll, I will find out how uh, both Killer teams for Adam use their hole. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh. You know what was the best part? All Both of his trades and the Stephen Samkos eight-year extension in, to stay in Tampa Bay, they all happened on the same day within 23 minutes of each other. I think really? I that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. did happen. That did that was happen. a crazy 2016, you know, monsoon season. Basically, of everything happening. Stamkos could have gone to back to his hometown Toronto, but he chose to resign with Tampa. Good move there. And then again, within that twenty, within that twenty-five sp- uh, span, Sue Ban for Weber, and then Adam Larson for Hall, which was a ridiculous day. I think that happened on the second day of the draft too. I mean, that was – I do recall that day. That day was insanity. I hope something like that happens in the upcoming That would be so cool. <laughs> Get something to tell you about next episode. Like, that's Whoa. coming up. <laughs> I, I do have a prediction. Um, I don't think you'll be with Philly because they're not willing to move the fifth overall pick from, but I think Alex DeBrinkett could get traded on day two of the draft. Look, yeah, all I'm I saying is – I think he's out there. There's – all I'm saying is, no matter what, you know, what are you really getting out of the fifth pick? What's really going to happen? You know, you're going to fuck it up again. You just, you're gonna, it's going to happen. It's going to hey, be Nolan Patrick 2.0. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind and it's going to be awful. Um, but we move forward with more NHL news. This one is going to be all sorts of Adam centric as the San Jose Sharks have announced they have hired their new GM. The GM, Mike Greer, the first black NHL GM. Uh, so congratulations on being cutting edge on that one, Adam's team, the San Jose Sharks. Here's some uh, here's some information about Mike Greer for you. Um, not only having some um, front office experience, but also was the assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, in his playing time, the 47-year-old, uh, now 47-year-old, Detroit native, um, played 14 seasons with the Edmonton Oilers, Washington Capitals, Buffalo Sabres, and San Jose Sharks from 1996 to 2011. 1,060 regular season games. He registered 162 goals, 221 assists for 383 points. He also has 28 points in 101 playoff games, uh, primarily a third, fourth line kind of uh, checking winger who played defensive uh, hockey, uh, 1993 ninth round pick of the St. Louis Blues. He'll join an exclusive group of general managers in the four major North American sports, which includes his older brother, Chris Greer, who is the GM of the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. So how about the Greer family getting it done there? Um, but yes, there is a new GM in San Jose. And Adam, I want to get your first reaction to how this has panned out in your eyes. Uh, I'll say the same thing I've said to Jeff every single time this conversation has come up. I don't care who the hell it was as long as he does a good job. I couldn't. Hey, I don't blame you. Good job. Damn right. Um, That said, I don't want to say I have high expectations, but at the same time, I didn't hate Doug Wilson as a GM. I felt like in the short time I had him, I'm saying it like I was a player for him. (laughs) time I had him as a GM um, I didn't hate a lot of what he did uh, some people complain about the contracts I see where they're getting at um, but his trades were always like low-key steals 
Like I vividly remember the trade that got us Evander Kane. And while in hindsight, that might not have been the best trade. We gave up like next to nothing for him. Uh, the Eric Carlson trade. We gave up next to nothing for him. And we got one of those pieces back for nothing. So like Doug Wilson wasn't in my eyes that bad at his job. Um, but, you know, I, I'm open to whatever Greer is going to be able to do for this team. My only concern I had was when he was rattling off during the presser that they did today. I don't know if any of you guys saw it. I watched no. most of it. Um, some One of the reporters had asked, like, what are your top priorities now that you've been named the GM? And he said, well, obviously, we've got the draft coming up in two days. We've got free agency. We've got this thing. We've got that thing, uh, something or other. And the very last thing he listed was the coach. And I'm sitting there saying, no, no, <laughs> coach, no, we should be your third priority, if not your first. But I understand you've got, you know, the draft to do. So I'll give you that as your, you know, your main priority. But we, we need a coach. And there's nobody I can think of right now on the market that I would want as a coach. Right. I, you know, as far as like him stepping in right now. That's kind of nuts. What a time to step in as a GM, yeah, to be honest. But uh, You gave this guy a, a, a fucking fireball to walk into. Hell of a first day for the kid of the GM office. Yeah. Uh, uh, welcome welcome to it. Here's your Outlook login. Here's your Microsoft Teams login. Also, the draft's in two days. So I don't know if you have opinion at all, but... Uh, from what I gather, have fun. Uh, he sat down with the Shark Scouts. He's gotten a, a general idea of where the scouts are at. He's probably going to review that over the next 24, 48 hours, and then we'll see what happens. You know what? Now, I will say, the way they got rid of their old coach in Bob Bonner, I think I was really screwed Bugner. up. Not only that, Bugner, I don't even, however you pronounce his name. Boom. The G Boom. is not silent, fun fact for you. There you go. It's like boom. anyway. Boom. <laughs> anyway, for, for Bob, uh, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> I'd rather Damn. call him that than Boner. <laughs> hey, fair, fair. fair. Um, anyway, so for no, for him, no. Uh, I really think they they you know, they screwed him over, and I think a lot of from again from what I've been reading, I've been trying to do a lot of research on this offseason in particular. It's a very interesting one with the draft alone, but the free agency, of course, and obviously all the crazy coach hirings and everything. It definitely sounds like a lot of the like uh, you know people in the Sharks organization were a little surprised and kind of low key pissed off about it. So. I get. I don't blame them for it. However, there's one guy out there. The more I think about it, the more I think he would actually thrive in San Jose, and that's Rick Patrick Tocchet. Marlowe. Oh, Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> Patrick Marlowe. That's your answer to everything, Adam. Patrick it's, Marlowe. Listen, Who do you want to kill? Patrick Marlowe. Who do you want to name your show? Patrick Marlowe. I say it. It's interesting I say it. to see Rick Tocchet. You know how you know in the season that during the season when the everything was going awry for the Flyers, it was like. You know, Rick Tocchet might be, you know, good fit. And then, you know, going into this offseason, more coaches started becoming more available and better coaches started becoming more available. But Rick Tocchet, you know, was still getting, you know, interviews all throughout the league. And uh, 
speaking of uh, coaching hirings, I, I know I don't think we had it on the list, but I think it's good to mention that there was a coaching hiring over the past week, and the Bruins hired a guy. Oh, right, yeah. Jim, Jim Montgomery, uh, assistant coach of the Blues, former, uh, former Flyer blood. He was with the Flyers Ooh. organization for a little bit. So, and uh, uh, former Dallas head coach before Rick Bonus took over. I, I hope so much that it blows up in his face and the Bruins fail. That's just I I I, I just want to get me, to the, I, I just so want to happy. get where they went with Jim Montgomery. I don't see it, but I understand it. Would make me so happy. Oh, I would love it. Trust me, I would be jumping in the streets left and right if it blew up in their face. God, nothing. I just and I know that like any Bruins fan that has clicked on this podcast has just immediately been like, "This is not the podcast for me." And you want to know I can find a better podcast. Yeah, I can find, uh, and you can. You go right ahead. You just go and uh, you listen to all your if, Boston. If you're, if you're a Bruins fan, just get spitting chicklets. They're a ma- they're a major yeah. pro Boston there anyway. Elsewhere, you know, do whatever the fuck you want with your khakis, say pants or <laughs> vehicle <laughs> starters, whatever the hell you want to do. Um, but uh, wait, are you seeing car keys or are you seeing khakis? Exactly. They make no <laughs> sense. Correct. There's no, it's nonsensical. You can't be that awful and be one of the smallest states in the union. There's not enough Damn. room for you to be that terrible. Damn. Um, anyways. Damn. That was, uh, that was my bit on Boston for the day. That, um, how do we go from the Sharks to the Bruins? What the fuck? Well, I just want, I knew it we happens. didn't have it in the list. I know we, we did didn't not, have it on yeah. the list. And I wanted to throw it out there because it, it was news that what? did happen. Um, yeah, well, but, uh, I'll be curious going to back that. to the San Jose Sharks, I mean, it's definitely a, a quick hire. Like, I hear. It wasn't all that quick. Really? They've, I think they've been looking for a coach since, what are we in now, July? We're in July. Like, yeah. I think they've been looking for one since, like, end of April, early May. That sounds it's about right. Three or four months that they've been looking for a GM, and they've only been looking it's, for- And they just announced – and that's the part that scares me for San Jose, to be honest, is the fact that they waited this long just to hire a GM. Not only could you have a GM, you could have had a coach by now. And yeah. a good one. So, so something I, I, heard, no, I, I agree with you on that one, Adam. It, it's something it's I so, had heard was um, scary. the the idea that was being floated around was that maybe the Sharks weren't keen on Bugner, but they weren't one hundred percent sold on firing him yet. So they're waiting to see what their potential GM options thought about Bugner. And then once that consensus came back of like they weren't that interested in bringing him in. They just kind of said, you know what? Nobody's really all that interested. We'll just cut ties and run. What I didn't realize until I think today was they cut their video coach, which was one of the biggest reasons why the Sharks were near perfect, if not perfect, on coaches' challenges. Interesting. Interesting. So, so why could a guy who's near perfect on those challenges? That's a solid now, rate. I don't know. I don't know it, how much of that is the video coach versus like an assistant coach or, or like the main assistant coach watching the plays or anything. I don't know how much of that is actually the video coach. I don't doubt that's a big part of his job because he's the video coach. Yeah. You know? You're but there on it, the bench. 
Right. So, but regardless, though, that does surprise me. And if I'm a team looking for a video coach, ding, 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 I know who to hire. Exactly. Uh, so I'll be curious to see. I joke a lot that I want Patrick Marlowe as the coach of the Sharks just because I honestly don't want that. If anything, I think Marlowe is better as a scout than he would be as a coach. I think he'll be a great scout because the best players don't always make the best coaches. Yeah. Prime example, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player in the NHL. He was not the greatest coach. He was a god-awful coach. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't help when you get into the Phoenix Coyotes or anything. Oh, at the time, Phoenix. Yeah, same thing. But as a as a dark horse pick, I came up with this yesterday out of the blue. Low-key, Joe Ward as a coach? Anybody? I, I, I thought for whatever huh. reason, because he, he has ties to, obviously, San Jose. Um, I don't know why. I feel like I've seen his name pop up just like in in general, yeah. Uh, regarding like like previous coaching positions or like somewhat coaching management roles before, so like since retiring. So I don't I don't hate it. Uh, again, I would imagine him and um. Oh my god, I forgot his name. Uh, Mike Greer, Patrick Marlowe. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's right, Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> um, no, I would imagine those two would be able to. You know, because what I like about them, though, especially Joel Ward, he's such a likable guy. You, there's nothing yeah. – I don't think – you know, and he could be a good coach to have. Like, he's one of those guys uh, – again, a huge reason why I like Ritaka, especially their players <laughs> – sorry, that's my dog. Their players' coaches uh, who you know, like, when, when you have an issue with management or something or, or just whatever, you know you can go to that player and have a real conversation – not someone who's going to just yell or back at your face. There's no, um, God, there's none of these older old school coaches anymore. That's just going to, you know, grab you by the Jersey, give you crap left and right. And there's no Mike Keynes in the league anymore. That that, that's what I'm trying to say. Right. All right. Well, also that I feel like that style of coaching can, can, it could be argued it's on its way out, but we're going to, we're going to see obviously, but yeah, that's the GM situation there in San Jose. So we'll see what his picks end up being when we get to the draft that we'll talk about later. I'm Uh, scared. I'm scared. I'm I'm, I'm frightened. Um, One more news of note before we get folks, arguably, I'm not going to say the biggest, but definitely like the weirdest by far. Oh yeah. Um, On the docket. Ivan Fedotov, the Philadelphia Flyers goalie prospect, confirmed by the Associated Press, has been transported to a Russian military base in the northern region of the country. Per multiple reports, Fedotov is taken into custody in St. Petersburg for allegedly evading military service, an allegation his attorney has denied. Uh, Flyers president of hockey operations Chuck Fletcher, uh, Chuck Fletcher addressed the situation in a statement to CNN we're aware of the reports and are investigating the situation. We have no further comment at this time. Uh, his agent said the veteran netminder began experiencing gastrous during his arrest and was moved to a hospital. Like he was hospitalized. So, they're being arrested by the Russian government so, and yes. forced into military service. It, it gets yeah. worse. From it gets much worse. Um, so... Like, um, much worse. Jeff, you might be able to correct me on this. Um, I think he played for CSKA. Played for CSKA in Moscow. Yep. Okay. So, as I understand it from what I've heard listening to the Steve Dangle podcast, shout out, uh, listen to us, please. 
from what I understood from what Dangle was able to gather through whatever sources he was able to gather, um, for one, the, the KHL has never liked losing their star players, and uh, this goaltender was probably one of their, their bright spots right now. Posting a 919 save percentage and a 2.0 goals against average during the regular season. And then and, and Bing, remind us how, how old he is again. Uh, he is. Un momento, por favor. I want to say 19. Regardless, he's young. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's the, he's a young kid. The fact that he put up a 25. He is 25 years of age. 25. Oh, damn. He was born the day after me. Oh, Jesus. Nice. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Twenty-five That's not a year old goalie puts up a nine nineteen in the KHL. Yeah, that's, that's otherworldly. That's absurd. Um, Look, all so, I'm saying is, dude's good born right. late November can goaltend. That's just a we know Ooh. this. Uh, <laughs> some Wait, well, why some did you tell me so this well. earlier? I could have changed. And he life. can also ref. I heard. Oh, sorry, mix him up. With uh, me. Yeah, you know, mm. you got you got us confused, and I, I get it. I I understand the confusion. You know, he's. Um, very similar guys. <laughs> Very similar dudes born, all around. Born, born uh, one you know. day apart. You know, one day apart. <laughs> in totally different portions of the world, but either way. No, I, 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 ignore me. Uh, I want to bet. I really want to bet. But no, but I think what's is scary, though, is, and a lot of people are commenting towards these major networks and outlets, and no one else commenting on it. Like, I think Elliot Freeman briefly touched on it, because, again, it's a very so scary situation for sure, but at the same time, no one knows a whole lot, but also, what's scary is the NHL is not coming on it. Sportsnet, not none of these major so, outlets are saying a word about this, and that's what's a little interesting to me. And I don't know what all they're able to say. I don't know how much they're able to tell, even if they know something, even if they don't know something. So I, I just find that a little so odd. I want to go as, vent. I'm going to cut you out because uh, I'm jumping in. I want to vent. Oh, go off Jeff's pot because I, I am know. like as frustrated as heck with all this bullshit but i'm not even that frustrated because it's showing their true effing colors i am pointing my finger at alex ovechkin and all these top russians in the nhl that are buddy buddies with vladimir putin that are just hushing and shutting up while all this crap is going on i'm pointing the finger right at these m mother Oh, I want to. I'm so mad at these guys because they're at the end of the day, they're just cowering to this guy. They're like, oh, as long as it's not me and I can play professional hockey, no problem. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. It's, can it's I, pitiful. It's absolutely can I, pitiful. Just to give, but you, they're showing them who they're showing everyone what their true colors really are, bro. And what's hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm, I'm furious. I know, I get it. I get, I get it. Mainly to Obi. But let's. Let's let's pull let's, let's pump let's pump the brakes, boys. Not even that. Just just look at it from a broader picture. Shit's going down in Russia and the Ukraine. Shit's yeah. going down in Russia. These big players still have families, friends, ties to Russia to the point that <clears throat> scouts, GMs, coaches, agents, you name it, are telling these players maybe don't go to Russia. During the summer, maybe like it was announced earlier today, Igor Shosturkin, he's not returning yeah. to Russia. He's staying in the U.S. And that's a smart so, move. Yeah. So to bring it back to what the actual conversation is with um, the goaltender, whose name I don't want to. I have Fedotov. I have Fedotov. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for Fedotov. The way I understood it, he still had, I want to say, 
one or two years left on his deal with CSK Russia. And they were willing to pay him a buttload of money to not sign to come to the States and play with the Flyers this year. And he declined up and down. And then that's where you hear, oh, he's got th- this thing that he has to be hospitalized for. And then you hear, oh, he's in the hospital and they're injecting him with something, but he has no idea what he's being injected with. And then you hear he's being arrested while in the hospital for draft dodging or what is our equivalent yeah, of, yeah. of draft dodging. Yeah, draft dodging, yeah. For, um, we'll go with that. Military yeah, service, yeah. Um, which for some players has been overlooked because as I understand it, based on what I've heard on the Steve Dangle podcast, um, for some players in Russia, they counted CSK Russia and the other major Russian team in the KHL. If you played there, that counted as your military service. Yeah, that's military service time, technically speaking there. Yeah. At the time, they were a big, most of their players were all military. They're all lieutenants at, at one time or another. So if you played there, you were counted as serving military time. And he had played one year of the two years I think they require you to serve. And all this goes down. Um, also, some players have been given the option to buy themselves out of military time and buy themselves out of their contract with whatever KHL team they're with. And it seems like Fedotov wasn't given that option. And they just said, you know what? You're going to the Arctic. And if we see you again, we see you again. Yeah. That's the shit that's fucked up. Yeah. And so, and here's my two cents. So that actually reminds me of two, two players. One more so recently, Ole Mata in a very similar situation with Finland. He actually, just like Fedotov, actually had to serve in the Finnish army um, like within the last 10 years or so. It was a very weird situation, but again, another player like that. But with Fedotov more specifically, this it's a little too scary with how similar the situation is. Back when Slava Fetisov, the famous uh, Russian defenseman from the, the Russian Five, you guys had a chance to check out um, uh, the documentary. I think it's called Red Army. Highly recommend it. It's fantastic yeah. watches to see what their training yeah. was like and everything. But also, you learn a lot about their lifestyle. In that documentary, uh, Slava Petisov talks about how it's almost identical. Uh, he told uh, the Russian army and everything, and I think uh, – I, I can't remember. I think he had uh, Victor Tikhanov, the, the head coach of the USSR at the time, said, "Okay, like you know, th- that's but like they had agreed that they would let him go play in America at the end of the year, but they wanted to see him win, and you know, they said, okay, if you win a gold medal, then or, or the, some kind of championship, or something like that, at the end, you can go to the states and play." He did exactly that. They went against their word. And they said, okay, sorry, we'll go back for, you know, we just want to bring you back for one more year and everything. They delayed it again. So it's, it's a very, and you know, they threatened families. They threatened, you know, like they threatened his wife and everything. They they, uh, took him in the alley one night and beat the living hell out of him and and everything. And just, it's so, so, and you know, 
fish. I understand where you're coming from. I think, again, I think it's absolutely wrong, but a lot of these players think back Artemi Panarin. He just had a situation like this recently within the last year, if not the year and a half, if not even sooner than that. Uh, there was probably threats made to him, to his family, to his girlfriend or his wife. No one in Russia or, you know, that are uh, the, these Russian players that are, again, I think some of them do truly understand the implications and everything going on there. They literally cannot speak up because they are that afraid yeah. that they're going to lose their loved ones and everything that they have there back home in Russia. I get where you're coming from, though. You're not alone with your feelings. I think it's all safe to say that we are all just as pissed off and everything, but it's a lot more to it than what I think everyone can is seeing a small piece of the picture, but not everyone's seeing the bigger picture when you really dig deep down inside yeah. to really figure out what the hell is going on over there. All I will say is I really hope for Ivan Fedotov the best. I wish him, you know, well, I hope he's recovering well. I hope we see him in North America sooner rather than later. And to all those Russian players that are coming. Now, again, what's happening right now between Russia and Ukraine is awful. I don't – it's one of the worst things that I could ever imagine will happen. It, it's happening. There's no denying that. You know, it's, it's a horrible, shitty situation. No one – enough is not being done. But, you know, all you can do is just, you know, hope and, and – somehow support these guys the best way you can. And again, if they're able to stay here in the States, then that's fine. You know, just do what you can to, to stay safe. Cause you know, by the end of the day, we're, we're human beings. Right? And as long as I think, as long as they understand the implications of what Putin's doing over there and all of these guys, that are, are not, 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 I don't think not every Russian is a bad person, you know, it's not at all. Yeah, exactly. So it's, so uh, that's just my two cents. It's sticky. It's a it's a it's a bad situation for uh, especially anyone who's Russian playing in the NHL, as uh, Matt was alluding to. Speaking up could mean so many bad things for your family, anyone that you know in Russia back home, anything like that. But also for Ivan Fedotov, he's twenty five. He's played in Russia basically his entire life and everything. And he finally wants a chance to go play in the NHL. And he has that opportunity. 188th pick in the 2015 draft signed to a one-year ELC to pave his way to the NHL. And here he is in the Arctic in Russia because Russia has decided we don't want you to go anywhere. We're going to make you serve military time. Now the, the problem, one of the biggest problem problems that we're facing here is this is a situation that is almost out of the NHL's hands or any player's yeah. hands or any front office staff's hands because this is now a political situation. This is no longer yeah. just about hockey. This isn't a team doing some sort of fucked up contract or, so, or what have you. This is a situation where we're talking governments now. So does the U.S. government get involved? Probably not because it's not a U.S. citizen. I don't think they have reins on this situation. Not but I'm not that. quite sure there's much the NHL could do. No, because, I mean, again, when you look at the bigger picture, Russia has been sanctioned to hell. What is the NHL going to do? They've already pulled out of – I shouldn't say they pulled out of, but I'm pretty sure they've frozen agreements that they've had with the KHL for a while about player poaching, this, that, the other thing. Yeah. But when we talk about just – 
the U.S. as a whole stepping in to kind of bring it away from just a hockey problem. There's a WNBA player that is trapped in Russia right now because Brittany Griner, and it's not even allegations that are serious. Yeah, Yeah. marijuana. I think she's got a vape pen. It wasn't yeah. even it wasn't even enough to be considered uh, selling in the U.S. But because because it's illegal there, she's looking at. I think I think I heard today she's looking at ten years of jail time if she gets convicted. Yep. And there's been no talk about it. I mean, the, the best thing we can do as just a small podcast is keep the story going. And there's been talk I, about it. It's anybody. just not much have been from the president of the United States. What I'm I'm more getting at is just keeping this. Don't let the story kind of fade out. The more you talk about it, the more the story is kept in the public ear. The more keep it growing. Yeah, people will start to really kind of push for it. I mean, look what happened with the Kyle Beach situation. That was pushed and pushed and pushed, and it got might not have been the best resolution, but there was some semblance of a resolution to it. Yeah. And that's kind of one of those things that we're going to have to stay on top of the whole of hockey media world is going to have to stay on top of just to make sure there's some justice that ends up happening here. And that this, uh, this can't happen to somebody who, you know, deserves the the opportunity and the right to play in the NHL, just like any other human being. Um, we move forward into what would be considered the meat of this podcast. It is draft time, folks. We are going to talk about the top 10 of this draft board. Jeff has his draft board that we posted on our Instagram and I believe the Twitter at OTPP pod on both of those. Yes. I didn't give a yes, follow. Jeff. Yes, Brian. It is on the Twitter right now. I am totally. Yes. The Twitter is definitely going <laughs> to see it right speak. as we speak right yes. now. Yeah. yeah. So you can go ahead on the Twitter or the Instagram. Go ahead to those pages and follow it's along on the with that draft Don't worry. Board. I know that for a fact. It's already <laughs> on the gram. If you want to go there first, go ahead and hit the follow button while you're there. If you want to follow around with this, uh, follow along with this draft board. Uh, so we we're just going to talk about the top ten here, uh, just so that we don't talk about this for eons because we could. Um, and we're going to kind of we're going to take Jeff's top ten and then the consensus top ten, compare, contrast, kind of uh, get an understanding of where we're at on this draft board, and then hopefully all of you and all of us are more prepared to find out. Excuse me. What's going to go down in this year's NHL draft? Now, let's start from 10, and we'll go down to 1. Build some suspense. I like it. Here are the teams drafting in those spots this year. The 10th overall pick, the Anaheim Ducks. The 9th overall pick, the Buffalo Sabres. The 8th overall pick, the Detroit Red Wings. The 7th overall pick, Ottawa Senators. The 6th overall pick, the Columbus Blue Jackets from Chicago. The 5th overall pick, the Philadelphia Flyers. The fourth overall pick, the Seattle Kraken. The third overall pick, Arizona Coyotes. The second overall pick, the New Jersey Devils. And the first overall pick will be the Montreal Canadiens. Let's get going here. First, we're going to talk about who uh, Sportsnet Canada. uh, They're kind of one of those outlets that's pretty trustworthy when they put things out there. I have their draft board along with uh, some stats and some scouting notes that they have here. We're going to start with who they have going 10th, and then we're going to talk about who Jeff has going 10th. The Sportsnet 10th pick for those Anaheim, no longer the Mighty Ducks, just the Ducks, stupid name change either way. Uh, Jonathan Leckermacki, I believe that's how that's pronounced, a right wing from Sweden. Uh, So he played in a couple of places this year, played for some junior teams, played for the U18 Swedish team. Um, All around good player. 
Uh, right wing born July 24th, 2004. Here are some scout notes for you. A massive threat on the power play elite shooter who has a quick release. He shoots the puck hard and accurately. His element is easy to identify a good skater who can separate from his opponents. Plays a bit of a light game at five on five. He won't always be a threat to score at even strength, but he will cut some corners defensively. But with uh, but when a team needs a goal or some offense to get back into or win a game, his element rises to the occasion. So sounds like an offensive first right wing, not great on the defensive side of the puck. Um, that's who Sportsnet has going 10th. Now let's talk about Jeff's 10th pick. Frank Nazar from the States, little U.S. born kid there for you, uh, from Chestered Field. What is that? Is it MI, Minnesota, or Michigan? MI? That's Michigan. Uh, Michigan. Right? Michigan. That's Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, that's guys in Michigan. <laughs> sure. Right winger from Michigan. Uh, here are his uh, notes from scouts. A competitive player who plays the game quick and fast. He's relentless, brings second effort on the penalty kill. He rotates, is quick to space, gets in shooting lanes and blocks shots. Without the puck, he has the speed to create turnovers up ice as a forward. Not the most naturally gifted player with the puck on his stick. His puck touches average. Offense comes from compete. The kind of player who should, in time, give team an option in variety of roles. Um, good stats as a uh, U18 player for the U.S. Nationals and the U.S. Junior team. So, Jeff, why'd you go Frank Nazar, who um, Sportsnet has as the 14th pick? over what they have there at the 10th pick. Yeah, no, I think for Anaheim, you they could go a couple different routes here. I would say they would either go uh, Frank Nazar, if not as a backup, some kind of uh, defenseman here because they lost out Josh Manson. They're probably going to lose some more pieces. But if you're looking at their roster, uh, as I said, bringing it back up now. Um, you know, I, I think they have a lot of good young pieces, but there are some that I think that they still have some question marks about, and it's never a bad idea to kind of revamp that that pool for sure. So uh, in Zara's a, a center, correct? He is, that's yes. Right, yes, that's what okay. I was um, So looking at, at their centers right now, they have Maxine Consol. I know that they've been trying to deal him for the last year or so. I personally love Consol. I think he's a great young player. He was a former second-round pick. I'm sure a little bit of disappointment, but he has a $2 million uh, cap hit. I know he's a player that they're looking to, to move around. Uh, you have Mason McTavish, Trevor, Trevor Zegers, of course, Still have Isaac uh, Lundstrom, Sam Steele, Vinny Letary. You have some young, solid players that are you know on their NHL roster now. I think Frank Nazar, he'll be here within two years. So by the time that some of these guys are going to be gone, I think Comtal is going to be gone. Uh, going to be gone. Excuse me, uh, Derek Grant Duffin gone. You'll probably see. Um, but it was still by the fact that way you have Zegris, McTavish, and. Um, Sam Steele, those are going to be your top three centers moving forward. If not, move Sam Steele to the wing. So it's never a bad idea for them to bolster up on that main center. And again, from what I've seen and heard about Frank Nazar, he could go as high as eight. Yeah, I mean, the upside on him is great, especially if you're uh, kind of honing in on the defensive side of the puck um for Nazar just because that's kind of his mainstay and why he's been you know so good why he's ranked in the top 10 of the draft um it, because he a defensive de defensively speaking having a good defensive forward especially a center 
is a game changer. They, it, it can change how an entire line functions. You can put them at like, say a defensive minded second line and nothing but success. Um, granted, probably a bottom six forward in the NHL, but a third line center who knows what he's doing on the def- defensive side of the puck and can also contribute on the offensive side is gold in the NHL. So I kind of agree with what you're saying here, Jeff. However, I think that both of them are a little bit interchangeable. It kind of depends on how you're looking at what you want to do. Do you want a guy that puts the puck in the back of the net or do you want a guy that can play some defense? Because that's kind of the the main comparison between the two, the contrast. It's tough because for uh, for Anaheim, you kind of need a little bit of both um, because you get the scoring touch in – uh, obviously, Trevor Zegers, you know, but and you know, with Mason McTavish as well. So if you're looking at this route, you might kind of want to go that almost two-way forward, uh, you know, kind of style uh, for him. Right, and you're looking at the other guy that I mentioned, who they have tenth going here, uh, Lecker Mackey. He, I, I mean, he's not a defensive guy. It says clear as day here. He cuts corners defensively, especially on even strength. And that's not great. That's not a guy you want there. So no. I, I kind of agree with what you're looking at there with Nazar. I think he would be a solid pick for that Anaheim team who does have a lot of good youth talent and has had some success picking up U S talent. So might just want to keep true with the pace there. Uh, going to our ninth team picking here, the Buffalo Sabres. Sportsnet has Joachim Kamel, a right wing from Finland, uh, says here, ends the year on a positive note after the U18 Worlds in Germany. Five games played, uh, six goals, two assists, eight points. Used in all situations, the puck goes through him on the power play. He finds space on his offside and one-times pucks. More of a shooter than a distributor overall. He brings an energetic, competitive game that at times lacks some detail, but there is not questioning his effort and care. An explosive skater engages physically can be deployed in a variety of roles. His speed, offense, and involved approach are attractive elements. Top six NHL upside is possible for this guy. Um, And you have Danila Yorov. Let me see where I can find this guy. Give me one second. Where's the 15th on Sportsnet? Thank you. Um, Danila Yorov from Russia. Uh, limited ice when playing at the KHL level, high-end results when playing within his own age group. His element is offense, but he's not unreliable on the defensive side. Good skater, has an extra gear when he sees space to attack off the rush. Really good puck touch and vision from the perimeter or below the goal line on the power play. He makes plays, not shy about driving to the crease. With and without the puck, there's room for more strength uh, and potential. He's already plenty strong, skilled player who has top six NHL potential. Another situation here where they're kind of pretty comparable guys. What made you go with the Yurov move here instead of Kamel? So the only reason I have uh, Yurov going here instead of Kamel is because it's going to be spoiled in a second anyway, but Kamel is going to go eighth to Detroit Red Wings. So that's a huge reason why I have him, you know, going to Nila Yurov. I think uh, Buffalo would love to get uh, Kamel, no doubt. And it's not impossible for Yoakum Kamel to drop to ninth. I think it's certainly possible. I know. So I'm also looking at, um, as we speak, uh, you know, the athletics um, uh, mock draft or anything. And they have uh, Kamel actually dropping 11 to San Jose. So you never know. Uh, he <laughs> Adam. Oh, um, so on on the athletics, for Ray Bronman, they have him all the way 16, ironically, 
still with Buffalo, just a couple picks later. Um, I'm honestly, I'm not comfortable with Buffalo's wingers. I think they need a lot of work still. You have Alex Tuck, which I'm thrilled with. Uh, Tage Thompson, he's a center, but also can play the wing. Dylan Cousins is more of a center. Payne Krebs, more of a center. They have Jack Quinn. Uh, they have Victor Olsen, who I love. Um, you know, Rasmus Asplund, I, you know, kind of debating about still. But other than that, you have, uh, you know, who, Casey who Middlestat. Casey Middlestat. Casey Middlestat. But yeah, he, he's a center, though. I, I, or I'll put this way. That's his, that's his natural position. That, that's the best way of putting it. Other than that, you know, their main quote-unquote wingers, you have Skinner, who last I checked, he was playing on the fourth line and barely saw any minutes last year. He has a $9 million cap hit for a very long time still. He's, he's going to be there. It's just, yeah. But regardless, so I'm not loving their wingers, and you need some, some young blood in there real fast. Uh, you have um, – John Hayden, Vinny Hinstros. Hinstros, I don't, I don't mind keeping around, but you can easily get rid of Cody Egan, who although center, you know, just, just dump him, get rid of Hayden. And there's a couple guys that they really need to seriously consider getting rid of, and that should easily uh, fill in a spot for Yurov. I don't know if he'll play this year or not. And, and and here's a disclaimer: I will say right away, boys, I don't know how many of these guys will come into next season playing immediately. There will probably be a few exceptions. Um, probably Sofkowski and I would say Shane Wright. And I feel like whoever Wright. Seattle takes, if if honestly, all the teams in the top five, I think Seattle's probably the most likely to trade out. But then again, yeah. they might pick, and then if they pick, they're they that pick's definitely playing. Yeah, and, and again, and it it depends on who they end up picking because uh, most of these guys by the time that Seattle pick. None of these guys are really college players at all, except for Logan Cooley. And even he might be ready to, for the NHL, but it depends. But anyway, so back to Europe, though. Uh, I, I really like the game he brings. Um, Pronman said uh, in his article here, it feels like a lot of people in and outside the league are predicting Europe with Sabres pick. Again, he has him at 16. I do have him for Buffalo, but only at nine. Uh, I do think it's a strong possibility, but if they went in a different direction, I could see Oslin here as well. Um, so, you know, I, I just feel comfortable with uh, them taking a high-end winger like that. Again, it wasn't Joachim Kamel because in this mock draft I have, I have the Detroit Red Wings taking Joachim Kamel at number eight. Yeah. Um, I mean, another situation where – and I feel like we're going to find this kind of in the uh, the bottom five of the top ten is uh, some guys that are interchangeable in the way that they're they're scouted and the way that they're um, talked about. Um, but, you know, it all it always matters what the team is looking and needing. Uh, so I think you're completely correct as to what the Sabres are going to be identifying as their main issues and may, main holes to fill. Uh, moving forward, pick number eight, the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings, the young ones who are coming into this league and causing havoc and who knows how long it's going to take for them to actually be competitive because it could be a lot faster than I think anybody had in mind. Uh, you have Kamel going to the Red Wings. Uh, however, Sportsnet has Marco Casper, a center out of Austria, uh, says here on the rise when the games get uh, got hard and the intensity ramped up in the playoffs, he displayed the ability to take his game to another level. Over a 10-game playoff segment in April, he produced 10 games played, three goals, three assists, six points, was used as even strength and on the power play and saw his ice time increase and in range from 12 to 19 minutes per game. 
a natural centerman who plays um, the wing at the SHL level in Sweden. He competes the full 200 feet, has a very good stick, extends plays along the boards, goes to the crease looking for tips and rebounds, and has vision to lead the power play. Um, that's a lot of things that I'm IDing the Detroit Red Wings would want and need, which is a good center. So I'm interested to hear from you, Jeff, about why you think they're going for a right wing. Kind of similar situation with Buffalo. Some of their wingers I personally like. I just don't know how Stevie Y uh, you know sees them anymore. Uh, again, just going over some of their you know other wingers. I don't know how much longer Tyler Bertuzzi will be a Detroit Red Wing. He's a 4.75 cap hit. Uh, a lot of teams are interested in calling for him. I, I think it was the fourth period. David Pagnata. Uh, he's been reporting the Flyers are linked to possibly trying to acquire Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, so there's that possibility. Um, Adam Ern, uh, former Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, 2.1 mil cap hit. Um, you know, solid depth player as well. Um, one of the bigger names, though, that does worry me for this particular player, and I want to give him another year to, you know, have an actual coach now that Jeff Blashell is gone. Um, Phelps Zadina, uh, I, I do worry about his future here at Detroit at only just 20, uh, 22 years old. He's due for a contract. He's an RFA. I think he'll just get a small bridge deal. He wasn't doing anything under Jeff Blashell's coaching cell, which makes sense. And that's why I'm glad that uh, they have um, the, the new head coach there. I apologize for not knowing the name on my head. Um, but, you know, for the former Tampa Bay assistant coach, I, I think he's going to be a great fit there and could get a lot out, out of Zadina. We'll see what happens with him. But kind of like with Buffalo, they're at least right now looking at their, you know, NHL right now and even their AHL kind of team. They're a little thin on wingers, especially right wing, in my opinion. And and I think that's where they kind of really need to um, you know stock up again. It's, it's going to be either Kamel, if not Lakari Maki. I think he's their guy. And uh, if they don't get him at eight, it's going to be Kamel. Right. Uh, yeah, the Red Wings now have Derek Lalonde at the helm. Um, Thank you. Former assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, yeah. I kind of agree with you there, but I, I do think, you know, a center would be a good move for. And, and you very well could be right. Um, I, now, I think this is my first initial thought. I, I definitely liked seeing uh, and it might be wanting to get a center, but at the same time, it might be best player available at that time. It could be Kamel. Then for all we know, I wouldn't be shocked if Steve Eisman goes off the board again, kind of like he did with Moritz Sider. So I, I six overall a couple years ago. So um, I think they still have a need for center, um, but something tells me that's more of a day two need uh, and, and also get that Steve Eiserman will trust his scouts with. And he is, you know, Lalonde now, uh, who's a former assistant coach, and I'm sure he, heard, you know, going into, you know, uh, this upcoming draft, I'm sure he heard a lot of draft talk and everything with the Bolts and, I think he's going to give a lot of great input. And he's a former Steve Eiserman guy uh, when Stevie Y was in Tampa. So it's, I think it's going to be best player available for Eiserman. Uh, and then if, if anything as a backup plan, if he's able to grab a center, maybe that's where he grabs Frank Nazar. You never know. Again, I, I said earlier, he might go as high as eight. If 
Iserman likes Nazar's game enough, he might steal Nazar at eight too. And even that, I'm not hating because again, I trust Steve Iserman. He's the best GM in the league right now. I, I, you know, and Joe Sakic is a close second. Um, but he knows what he's doing out of anyone else in this league. And uh, I think it's going to be one of the three, like a Mark, oh, sorry, Lakari Maki, Kamel, if not Frank Nazar as your center there, like you're referring to, Bingman. Yeah, I mean, centers in the draft are always going to be a hot commodity. I think everybody knows that. But, right. uh, I mean, we'll definitely see. Like I said, it, Detroit is on the up and up. And also, Stevie Y at the helm, the man's a magic uh Magic exactly. draft guy, magic GM. So, you know, you're going to probably throw, get something good. Can I throw a random name off the board for Detroit? Would love it. Yep. Brad Lambert. I think that. So, what I've heard from people, just not personally speaking, what I've been reading, I'll, I'll, let me rephrase it that way. They like his game, but. Sorry. Your dog, your dog likes the pick. I don't know. Dog. Yeah, your dog, your dog seems to be liking this pick. I'm not gonna lie yeah, to listen, you. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't get a lot of love, but listen, it seems like the dog likes my pick. Brad Lambert from Finland says here. Um, Sorry about that voice. Energy. Guy. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yes, my dog loved the pick. There. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Solid. Uh, there you go. But uh, <laughs> it's been rumored that. Um, Lambert has a lot of maturing to do. Maybe he's the kind of player that Steve Osman. But then again, would you really want an eighth overall pick to be a project like that? I think he's got the skill, but just the maturity level there. It's because he might be one of those players that thinks I've been good at every level I played at, including where I'm at now. And I'm going to prove it in the NHL. And when he gets there, he's not going to be the best player. I mean, he could be good, but he's going to real learn real fast. So, you, you, you never know. And, and it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe that's that off the board pick where Lambert goes to Detroit at eight. You just never know. That's, I'm putting, I'm putting my stock on Brad Lambert. There you go. Yeah. Cause I'm a psychopath. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all righty. Well, that was Detroit. We move forward to pick seven, the Ottawa senators. Boy, do they need help pretty much everywhere. Um, says here that Cutter Gauthier is going to be the one that they're supposed to pick according to Sportsnet here. Uh, however, you have Lecker Maki going to the uh, to the Sens. Let's hear a little bit about Cutter here to uh, see what he's got. Uh, big body forward who brings power and goal scoring, more shooter than distributor, exceptionally quick release when he positions himself around the net or has a look from range. He gets pucks to the net accurately, skating is sound, generally responsible in all three zones. Hard to push off the play in the trenches, create space for line mates. Sounds like a big body forward who's got a decent shot coming out of the U.S. Um, but also you have the likes of Lekermaki going to the Senators. So wondering what the uh, – I mean, they're both right wings, pretty comparable, but Lekermaki seems to be more of a scoring threat than Gautier. So what's your thought process there for the Sens, just that they need goal scoring? Yeah, they definitely need goal scoring. I'm not – loving the idea of what their current lineup is like there's a reason why they're picking so high again this year uh and also i mean if anything uh keep in mind as well and although he's a center he's still in my opinion provided some depth scoring uh they bought out colin white earlier he was the 21st or 25th overall pick in the 2015 nhl draft so they finally cut ties with him so to me that that's sending a message that you know again 
I don't. I personally like Colin White and what he brings to the table. I think he there's more to his game that it showed in Ottawa. Maybe just there was the coaching. I, I you never know. Um, but for you know, look at who your forwards are. Your top six is is good. You bring Chuck, Drake Batherson, Connor Brown, who you might lose anyway soon. Uh, Tim Stutzel, Stutzel um, Alex Hormanson, and really. That's it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Josh Norris as well. I apologize. Missed him. Um, yeah. And, and Josh Norris. Other than that, you don't got much scoring at all. You need scoring and you need scoring fast. Um, I like the idea of uh, Gauthier going to the Sens. But again, a similar situation. I have him just going one pick earlier. And at this point, I think his best player available. I think Ottawa would go with Kerry Maki. Kamel could be a better player than Lakirimaki for all we know, but I think in Ottawa's mind, they would go Lakirimaki instead of uh, uh, Kamel. Right. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a theme here that you seem to uh, think they're all going one pick a bit sooner, um, <laughs> which I can agree. There's so many good players in this draft. It It's, it's going to be, it's a, a lot better of a draft than I first expected it to be. When I first started, you know, looking up, there's some players right away that I knew the, you know, Kamel's, the, you know, uh, Shane Wright's and everything. And now it's, you know, David Yurchek, the Cutter Gauthier, the uh, Frank Nazar. Some of these guys, I'm learning their names and, and watching a lot of their highlights and thinking, wow, like whoever are going to is, you know, some of these guys that they can steal these players real quick and, it's going to be a steal of a pick, you know? Yeah. I mean, this draft was kind of touted to be a little bit light because, you know, obviously it's not like a McDavid or an Eichel draft, one of those. Um, but it's That's looking like year. it's a bit deeper than people might be thinking. Uh, let's keep on keeping on here, folks, going to the Ew. sixth pick. The Columbus Blue Jackets from the Chicago Blackhawks in a trade. I do not know what year that trade was or what it was for. Wasn't this the Seth Jones trade? This, yeah. this was the Seth Jones trade. All righty. All righty. So the Seth Jones trade coming in here a bit higher than I'm sure they expected to pick, but here are the Blue Jackets Four. are. Uh, you have Gautier going to those Columbus Blue Jackets, obviously a solid forward we just talked about. Uh, the Sportsnet website here has Matthew Savoy, another center from uh, from the draft yeah, here so, from Alberta. <laughs> so what I'm just realizing now, oh, no. I don't have Savoy in my top 10 here for, for this mock draft for some reason. So Matthew Savoy, That's, in my opinion, is a top 10 talent. No, um, you don't. You think he's going to the Sharks. Is what you, you think, think he's going to the Sharks is what I'm hearing. That, that, that's that's not what I think. That that's what uh, I I don't know about that one. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> a, a, anyway, uh, but but no, because so, I, I think I, I did make one more you know um, mock draft after I sent this one to Adam. I, I can't. You remember, but... son of a. <laughs> How dare you I'm not give kidding. us the updated version? I'm just kidding. All all I did was literally just uh, add to to the, the yeah. There you go. <laughs> There it there is. That's right there <laughs> in clear black and white. Um, <laughs> a- anyway, uh, but, but no. So I, I will say for uh, for Matthew Savoy, I think he's still top 10 talent. It depends on the team's wants and needs. Um, for Carter Gauthier, though, he's been rumored as high as five, if not four, which is frightening. I think he's a good player. He's not in the top five pick worthy, in my opinion. Again, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just there's better players to select before him though what he brings to the table though it's it's something that is worth looking out for sure he's he's really you know 
I'm trying to think that the really the, the best way to, to describe his game though, but uh, I think he he's a very good power forward who can provide that scoring and um, forward Columbus. You know that's and it, it, it's it's big that they get something like that. You know they kind of lost a little bit of that in Pierre Luc Dubois, who's a very strong forward who can provide that scoring. So obviously this isn't anything like Pierre Lutois, but it's a nice, subtle replacement in a way where Gauthier could get somewhat to uh, Dubois' level in a few years. Um, I think he's still going to be a player that is going to take solid two years to develop, maybe two and a half, before we really see what he can bring to the table. But he could be one of those guys that moves quickly through the Columbus Blue Jackets system just to say, hey, like, you know, here's what I'm doing and I'm able to prove it. And he's going to literally run through guys. Uh, but now he's a big, you know, powerful word. Uh, he's a good uh, frame. He's 6'3", 200 pound left winger. I mean, that's, that's a that's good a dude. frame. That's a dude right there. That, that's what I'm saying. So dude. he's not afraid to run through you. Yeah, and I'm interested to see exactly how high Matt Savoy might go because he's being compared to a combination of Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Kane, which is fucking nuts, by the way. So yeah. he's, he's going 11th overall to the San Jose Sharks. And that's <laughs> You're welcome. Moving on, number but, five. But again, and, and also, and so- he, he's logged 90 points, 35 goals, 55 assists this last season. Jesus Christ. So for Savoy, what you're a welcome. steal at 11. No, so, but for, well, so, and that, that's the crazy thing is not many people have him going in the top five. For me personally, the more I think about it, it's again, it depends on what teams' needs and wants are. I personally want the Flyers to draft Matthew Savoy at five. He was my first pick originally, but then I had to change it because looking at what, especially with the Ryan Ellis BS going on. They're going to take a defenseman. Um, so we'll see what happens. But for Carter Gauthier, and then there's him, but then, of course, you got Matt Savoy. It's a very, it's a toss-up. Gauthier could go before Savoy. Savoy could go before uh, um, Gauthier. So it's – I have Gauthier here. Again, it's because I think teams are really looking to see what their biggest needs are or they take the best player available. and. Um, Steve Eiserman, he has a plan at eight. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get his guy no matter what. There's no one stopping him there. Who will it be? We'll find out Thursday night. Um, but for these other GMs, though, it's kind of, unfortunately, the waiting game. It's We're going to have to wait and see what players fall into our laps. They're going to have options. But there's going to be probably – I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two of these guys that they had as their main list or main pick and they get taken a pick or two before them. Right. And, uh, you know, the the thing is, and I think why you might see Savoy drop down the board, is it's clear that his game defensively is going to always have holes in it. Um, He is an offensive-minded, offensive-first player who is not going to be playing very well in the defensive side of the puck, which is something that every team is looking for right now. You have to be well-rounded to, you know, be a high pick and to be somebody that a team will take take a high pick on. So um, we'll move forward though, to the fifth overall pick, those Philadelphia Flyers who seem to just continuously suck. Um, But here we are. Uh, So yeah, uh, Jeff brought up a good point. Uh, The Ryan Ellis situation is, I want to say looming, but 
slowly improving. He's got, you know, the rehab coming back and stuff and might not make training camp now. So who knows how that's going to go. So clearly it looks like the Flyers are going to be pointing towards a defenseman here. Uh, here uh, you are in agreement, basically, with Sportsnet at David Jiracek from the Czech Republic, 6'3", 189 pounds. Tall, lean, right shot D with a, uh, has sound IQ in all three zones and very good vision with the puck on a stick. He has the ability to lead the breakout with his legs and make accurate outlets to his forwards in motion. Small area game is also very good. He's creative on the power play. He is equal parts distributor and shooter, shoots the puck with authority. Um, so I just I struggle with the idea that the Flyers are going to draft another offensive defenseman. It's just it sounds like Travis Sanheim all over again. So I don't know if I can mentally deal with this. Yeah. So there's my biggest worry on why I didn't want them taking David Yerchek first. I prefer uh, Simon Nemich. That was my original. It was all right. So it was it went from Matthew Savoy to realizing, especially with the Ryan Ellis thing, to Simon Nemich. He's my he was my preferred pick as a defenseman for Philadelphia. Now for David Yerchek, the reason why I was a little hesitant about picking him in general, especially in the top five, he's a top five talent. What worries me is I think it was a knee injury, if not a shoulder injury. One of the two, it was December of last year during the World Juniors, he had a severe knee or shoulder injury that he had to get surgery on. So that was a big worry for me. However, he has been lighting it up ever since returning. So it's been a great sign. He's playing against men and he's 18 years old. So that's always a great sign there. I think his skating does need a little bit of work, but that's something you can improve on. It's not a drastic situation, but it's something that I think has, has room for improvement. He, uh, I think it was Craig button. Now take this with a grain of salt. It's Craig button. I don't know how you feel about him, but he, he has some interesting takes and interesting rankings. Um, so he compared your check to a smaller version of Moritz Sider. So which again, would be great, but... which would be great. Will your check be a, a, like a lesser version of Moritz Sider? Probably not. You never know. But then again, he could be his own David your where next year someone says, see this guy, he's just like David your So I like his game. I he's a hell of a slap shot. Like his shot is ridiculous. I was uh, watching a, an interview with him and uh, Adam Wilde and um, Alan Walsh earlier on YouTube today, and and like the way he, he presents himself and, and, and everything. I, I think like he, he's a big, you know, he's a, a good frame body too, and everything. And he, he brings a lot to the table. He's six three hundred eighty nine pounds, and he's a right handed defenseman. And that's huge. If you can get a right-handed defenseman, like a good top-four defenseman, fifth overall, I'm not complaining. Um, again, what worries me is I want to see if he can continue to rebound from that major injury. And I think that's what's going to happen there. Uh, with Now, I will note this before we move on to number four. What's very interesting is Corey Promen from The Athletic actually has the New Jersey Devils taking him at two. That's if the Habs take Shane Wright, I think he says, I think for the Devils, simple scenario, they take Slavkovsky. If Slavkovsky goes number one, it opens up the possibilities. 
Um, the most common scenario proposed to me for New Jersey with Subkoski on first is the Devils taking one of the top defensemen in Yurchik or Simon Nemich. Yurchik is a more common name I've heard attached to the Devils between the two defensemen. I think uh, in the long run, Yurchik will probably be the better player eventually. Right now, Nemich, sorry, Nemich on paper is probably the more NHL-ready defenseman. He's, he's a more defensive-minded D-man, and I think New Jersey could sorely need that right now. Um, I don't have them taking that, and I'll get to the reason why, but I, if he drops down to five for your check, I think that's where Philly takes him. Right on. I see. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. As a Flyers fan, I am hopeful. Uh, moving to number four. The Seattle Kraken, uh, you also agree with Sportsnet yet again with Nemich going there. We just talked about him. What do you think about him um, would be good for the Kraken, but also is it because the Kraken, um, or what Matt brought up earlier, um, the Kraken might be one of the only teams that bring the guy up immediately and don't even bother with the AHL. Do you think that this guy's game could fit in the NHL right now? Yeah, uh, again, he's another right-handed defenseman shot, which is pretty rare to see. Um, he's, you know, he's a very defensive-minded uh, – QB, sorry um, – defenseman. He, he, he basically quarterbacks the power play, though. He's uh, very good at doing that, uh, very strong up against the board. So finishes checks, very strong IQ. It wouldn't surprise me if Seattle takes him, and not only that, but actually throws him into the NHL right away because I think they need it. It was a horrible first-year start for Dave Haxel's Seattle Kraken. I'm not terribly surprised, unfortunately, due to their pretty bad expansion draft. Um, they kind of set a little bit of failure from the beginning uh, and with the coach, of course. But uh, for Nemich, though, I think he's probably more NHL ready than your check is. Your check will probably need a year of development. In my opinion, I think he's still going to be a good defenseman for both of them, but I think Nemich you'll see faster in NHL than your check. Um, and not only that, they need everything right now. This is going to be entering their second year in the NHL. So they need everything at this point, take the best player available. Um, you have plenty of options ahead of you, but if you're going to go defenseman, you can't go wrong with Nemich here. Uh, if you take your check too, you take your check. Either way, Seattle is in a very comfortable spot at four. They might even get what the, the very nice pickings from the top three if if uh, one if one of those teams makes a surprise move. Don't expect much. Yeah, I I, I really have. I, I don't. I don't. I, yeah. I really have full belief Seattle Kraken in his full commitment to being in the Connor Bedard lottery. I think they're going to try and, you know, not improve. I think they're going to try and, you know, acquire old, slow talent. I think imagine Connor really Bedard and He's going Maddie to the crackers. He's going uh, to Imagine crackers. Bedard and Maddie Beniers, though. Think about how sick that would be. Right. But I think, uh, I think you're going to have uh, that young player. I also think they're going to go out and get a lot of, old veteran pieces on the expiring contract. Yeah, why not? James Van Reems. Like, I, I've got real strong confidence Jamie VR is going to wind up being a Kraken. I do, too. I don't know what they're going to do to get it done, but something tells me that's that's going to have 
a strong, excuse me, strong possibility. I think uh, it's been linked between Seattle and Philly making a deal. I think it's a matter of when. I think Seattle likes JVR. Haxel's familiar with him, of course. It's going to help their power play. And again, it's although it's seven million, it's only for one more year. They'll have the first overall pick. I'm, I'm almost putting. I would put all. I'm not a gambling man, but I would bet large. There you go. That Seattle Kraken. There you go. Seattle Kraken would <laughs> get the first overall pick because you know they want they want a market like that to succeed. And what does it take to succeed? A, a franchise level type player, and that's what Connor Bedard is. So there you go. That's yeah. true. Uh, that uh, that and now that was quite the start to that one. And now <laughs> we are into the top three of this year's draft. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes picking third. Now the top three is pretty general consensus of these three guys. You have Slavkovsky, you have Logan Cooley, and of course you have Shane right now. Jeff's list differs from what the general league is assuming here um, from uh, what Sportsnet saying. Sportsnet has Shane Wright first, Logan Cooley second, and uh, Yora Slavkovsky going third. Now you have... Going third, Logan Cooley, Shane Wright second, and Slavkovsky going first to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. What is your reasoning on that? Because Shane Wright's still Shane Wright. I think that honestly, and um, who I, I was listening to 32 Thoughts podcast with uh, for um, Elliot Freeman earlier with Jeff Merrick, and Elliot Freeman brought up a very interesting point. I think a lot of people are over, over, especially the Montreal Canadiens are overlooking this first overall pick in Shane Wright. It should be Shane Wright. It absolutely should be. If I'm Montreal, there's no doubt in my mind I'm taking Shane Wright. But for whatever reason, there seems to be some kind of doubt about what Shane Wright brings to the table. He got exceptional status when he was 15, 16 years old. That doesn't happen very often especially for a player of his caliber. I think the best way to describe a Shane Wright player, he's better than a Nico Hishir. He's obviously not an Austin Matthews, not a Connor McDavid. He, he's his own player. He's his, he's Shane Wright. Shane Wright's Shane Wright. He's not one of those. He's not a franchise generational talents. Connor Bedard will absolutely be a better player, but I think right now with what you're getting Shane Wright, still very good, strong player. Kind of like Alexia Lafreniere to me. He's a very you – know, people are going to kind of overlook it at first and say, hey, he's not going to do much. Once he really get going to the second year, maybe even, maybe even third, because if he goes to Montreal, it, it, it's it's going to take some time. They, they still got pieces. And he's a player I think could thrive under Marty St. Louis if the Habs take him. I don't have him taking that because, again, there's that doubt that creeps in their mind. They're going to probably take Sofkowski because they want that NHL-ready now guy who's – a very big bruising body who is going to be hard to knock off the puck for Shane, right? You had the same player, but he's a center though. He's just more like a, he, he can, he can score, but he's, he's a very versatile two-way player. At least the way I kind of see it. Um, I don't know how everyone else kind of views Shane Wright's game. Um, I think that uh, Corey Pronman actually for the athletic had him dropping down to four, which is crazy. Um, but for Sportsnet, though, they, they still have him at one, again, as he should be going. Um, very good size, powerful. He's quick. He sees the ice, great stick handling. You know, everything, you know, everything stands out. 
about Sheaton Wright as it should. But something tells me that South again, Montreal, it's in their city. They want to, they had the first overall pick. They are, they're going to do something different. They might even trade up for the second overall pick as well. They could take Sokowski and Wright. You never know. It's, I don't expect anything like super crazy like that, but it's been rumored they want another top 10 pick. Um, so something like that wouldn't be impossible. Um, first off, Koski, I think he's going first though. Again, just what he brings to the table. I think he fits what they're looking for right now. Um, again, it's also because they're overlooking this pick. There's something in the back of their head. There's some little voice in their head saying, are you sure about Shane? Right. Cause we've seen some other picks in the, in the past, not necessarily saying first overall, but Nolan Patrick, for example, they want to make sure that everything about this kid is right. No pun intended. Um, but I will say, though, uh, they're overlooking it 1,010%. If I'm the Montreal Canadiens, if I'm Kent Hughes, I'm literally shouting at my scouts saying, I don't care who you guys like better. Shane Wright is the guy we're picking. He's a consensus number one. We need to take him. But by the end of the day, Montreal's making that mistake, leaving him to get a New Jersey number two, where they could take your check, they could take Coley. But I think they're taking Shane Wright because that's the best player available. And if he falls to you at two, absolutely I'm taking him. Logan Cooley, I've always had third. He is probably the second best player in this draft, you could argue. Um, probably this, you know, definitely by far the second best center. You could almost argue the best center. I love what Logan Cooley brings to this to his game and everything. He's going to go back for a year, I think, uh, in college before he joins the NHL. Um, Shane Wright and Slavkowski, those two are going to be NHL ready immediately. Cooley, he could play. He could not play this upcoming season. You never know. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, Cooley at three to Arizona. Shane Wright dropping to New Jersey because Montreal's over, overlooking the first-year-old pick to draft your off Slavkowski. Yeah, and I know, like, specifically out of these three, the guy that is NHL and NHL ready is definitely Slavkovsky. I mean, 230 pounds at 6'4". Yeah. It's a, it's a refrigerator. That's not even a human and being. I think that's a huge reason why they really love what he brings to the table. Um, it's It's been weird because I, I don't think he was invited to a dinner with the Habs for whatever reason, and people made it, made it seem like a big deal about that. Here's a reminder for you, though, guys. Not every team that drafts a player will even really meet with the player. They might meet them with them once or even for a whole five, ten minutes and say, okay, cool, you know, thanks, bye. And they yeah. draft them, you know. Yeah, Carter so Hart, it's Carter Hart can attest. He said he met the Flyers once, and it was his first meeting, and it was, like, his shortest meeting. That's, that's what I'm saying. Um, now this is a little bit different because we're talking first and second overall picks, but essentially the same thing, Fish, on what you're talking about. You just never know. So uh, something does tell me that Montreal is going to do something a little bit different to shake this whole thing up. They're looking to, again, they're looking to make a huge, you know, it, it, it's in Montreal, uh, in Montreal at the Bell Center. It's their, you know, obviously their home city and everything. And the Habs, they're going to do something big here. I don't know what, but. Something tells me they're taking Sofkovsky. If you're Shane Wright, don't pay attention to it. Just say, okay, cool. Just, you know, he he thinks, that, and rightfully so, I think he deserves to be first overall. 
he's basically been slotted for the first overall draft for over two years now for this draft, in my opinion. He's been that good in every level. But again, referring back to 30 thoughts uh, with Elliot Freeman, Jeff Merrick, they did say when you have exceptional status like John Tavares, like Connor McDavid, like Shane Wright, that's an extra year for people to really pay attention and say, this kid got exceptional status. That means he's going to be something to look out for. Even more eyes are on you. Even more scouts are on you. Really nitpicking your game every step of the way. I don't think there's anything wrong with Shane Wright's game. Again, I think it's people overthinking this pick, overthinking the player. By the end of the day, Shane Wright, it's his own player, and he's going to dominate for years to come. It's just going to take some people to realize that and hopefully for Montreal's sake, they don't screw up this pick. I, I don't think they're going to screw it up, meaning they'll take the worst player imaginable. Best case scenario, take Shane Wright. Constellation price, Yaroslav Kowski. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think that Shane Wright's your consensus first overall pick, but I think it would be easier than most people think to overthink it and maybe get a little bit too deep into your analytics or whatever and pick a different guy. But I think that Shane Wright should be the first overall pick. And I think that everybody thinks that Uh, Jeff, my friend, my compadre, the three of us, thank you so much for coming on today, being our local expert, basically on other, other hockey things that, you know, sometimes we kind of forget about like uh, learning about prospects and stuff like that. So we thank you so much for doing that, getting us our draft board on our socials. Unless anybody's got any other pressing NHL news, that's going to do it for this old episode. Uh, no. All righty, folks. As always, thank you so much for listening to On the Power Play. We very much appreciate it. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which you should probably already be on because you're looking at that draft board, at uh, OTPP pod on both. Go ahead and hit the follow button. While you're there, go ahead and click the link in the bio. Go to our merch store, grip, get all the stuff that you're going to need for the summer months. We got cool T-shirts. We got a bunch of stuff for you. Don't worry about it. We have it. You go ahead and buy it. And Adam, plug the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash on the power play. Jeff Quake can attest to this. I do some pretty good streams over there with the Jacksonville Interstellars. Highly entertaining. Johnny Thank Vegas. You. Johnny Vegas, Buck Bumble, everyone's favorite goaltender and mine. Um, no stream today uh, when we were recording this because I was tired as hell. I'm shooting for tomorrow, same time as normal, 4 p.m. Eastern on Twitch.tv slash on the power play, Jacksonville. I think they have a game with the stars. You should know this jam, people's jam. Yeah, come on now, Listen, GM. What are you doing? Uh, I'm too busy trying to figure out how I can get my team to the cap floor, so I stop having problems with them telling me I can't send someone down because I'm not at the cap floor. So yeah, expect, uh, expect a Jeff Skinner trade in the coming days because I need good a, luck. I need a hefty <laughs> fucking contract over. Yeah. There. Oh, you awesome. before we GM. move on. Uh, Inching ever so closer to a fantasy league on uh, the Twitch channel. I'm currently working on some goalie pads, and then hopefully we get those streams rolling where I'm doing the same thing. Calling games, having fantasy leagues. Uh, I know I don't know if I showed Jeff the roster, but I know Brian and Fish should have seen the you, roster. You've seen me, We've you've seen seen me a lot. From We've that seen league. it. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 grotesque. Be, it's so disgusting, it should be illegal. It, it's uh, wrong, honestly. And let's be honest, I'm not changing a goddamn thing. So, yeah. Damn right. Chaos reigns. On the power play. Yeah, uh, go ahead and watch the Twitch, guys. It is great content, and Adam provides us with fantastic content day in, day out. 
So much appreciate him. And as always, folks, thank you for listening. And we out.